Even everyone that is called by my name, I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. This people have I formed for myself, they shall show forth my praise. And then those wonderful passages in Ephesians 2. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For, or because, we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. When I was a little boy, I had some great Sunday school teachers. One of them was Joe Bixler. He was a deacon as well at Grace Baptist Church in Warren, Michigan. But he made the Bible come alive for me in Sunday school. And when I acknowledged that I felt like God had called me to preach, one Sunday after service, he said to me, Hey, I found a passage that I think you could preach from uh, that you would really like if you can find out what it means. And I said, well, okay. And he said, it's Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained. He said, Kent, I think if you'll find out what that means, you'll have some pe preaching material. And for years, that became my mainstay. I studied Ephesians 2.10, preached at Bible conferences from Ephesians 2.10, got thrown out of the Baptist church because of Ephesians 2.10. Last Sunday, Elder Sasser used as his text the most quoted passage of Scripture that's used here at Grace Gospel Fellowship and Grace Centers of Hope. If you've been here once, you have probably heard Romans 8:28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. To them who are the called according to his purpose. God's purpose. This morning, I'm going to speak to you from the second most quoted scripture here at Grace Gospel Fellowship, Ephesians 2. We say quite often here, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that faith is not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. I wish you and I could just get lost today in that truth. That I truly am 
the poema, the Greek word, workmanship, poema. I am the masterpiece of God. I am God's masterpiece. I am God's poem. You say, well, I don't, I don't know about that. I, I have so much mess in my life. Well, God's still writing the poem. He's not finished with you yet. You know, you, you are still under construction. Did you know that? God's not through with you. What a mess we all are in our flesh. There's nothing good in the flesh, correct? You know why we're told his workman, that we are his workmanship? Because God wants us to clearly know that we're not saved by our works. So, Pastor, we all know that. Really, do you? Then why so much boasting and bragging? Do you really know how bad you were? Do you know how far away from God you were? Do you know what a mess you were? You know, God didn't find you all cleaned up nice and neat. He found you in a pit. Don't ever forget where God brought you. He's brought you a mighty long ways, hasn't he? A mighty long ways. So the Apostle Paul says, for we're his workmanship. It's not by works. You understand, we're the poem of God. We're the masterpiece of God. That's what you are, a masterpiece. I mean, you are beautiful. I understand the ugliness of the flesh. I do understand that. But God has been working on you. And salvation is not by works. If God doesn't do something for you, you will surely perish. That's just the absolute truth. You're in dire need of God's work in and on you. Amen. That's true. So it's not by works. So all of you Catholic, Baptists, Presbyterians, making your boast in what denomination you belong to, it's all dung. It amounts to nothing. In fact, your brag and boast of your denominationalism is nothing but dung in the sight of God. Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do to the glory of God. Quit talking about your, your churchanity. We are Christians. I wonder, have you ever considered what would come from your flesh in the form of some kind of creation? I mean... If you were able to make yourself a creation, wonder what form that would be. I mean, let's say, in my flesh dwells no good thing. So, what would you create? It wouldn't be a masterpiece. It wouldn't be something beautiful. God has made something beautiful out of his people. And that's what the apostle is telling us here. The truth is, the truth is this, that, that right now your flesh can be described in this manner, half beast and half demon. My flesh, your flesh. Say, so but I'm a Christian. You just said I'm a masterpiece. I'm talking about what God has done. You in your flesh, left by yourself, are a loathsome mess. All of you who are continuing in the 
addiction use, using those types of things to try to get through life. What a mess you are. And if God, and those of us who are in here who are new creatures in Christ, if God had left us to ourselves, we'd still be in that mess. You know, many of you are in here living in what you created yourself out of your flesh. That's exactly right. You did it. The devil didn't make you do it. You're, you did it. Your, your flesh is no good. And you need a God work. You need God to do something for you. I was thinking last night, when you consider the mass of hellions, if you were to be able to visit hell, think about them proposing to create something. That mass of people that are in hell, weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, nothing but self-centeredness, nothing but hatred for God, enmity toward God, creating something. It's been amazing to me the past 40 years to see how creative the flesh is. You know, I've seen about every kind of crack pipe there is. Everything from Pepsi cans to bolts and nuts. You are a creative bunch. Just consider, consider this. Think about your own imagination. And every Christian in here knows that their imagination, their fleshly imagination is absolutely wicked. I, I don't want to hear about yours. I got enough problems with my own. Oh, we're creative in our flesh. You think about what you, you just consider for a few minutes. It'll, it'll frighten you how depraved and despicable our flesh is. So consider the cesspool of hell attempting to make itself acceptable to God by their own works. Just consider that. that you, I, I, I know you're going to quit using. I, I know that. You're going to quit fornicating. You're going to quit having uh, sex outside of marriage. I, I, know you, I know you're going to turn over a new leaf. I know you're going to get better this new year. No. No. You need to be rescued. You see, you're like Mephibosheth. You're a dead dog beside the road, rotting on the inside. Your only hope is that God will come where you are and do for you what you cannot do for yourself. You need a miracle. Do you understand that we're shut up here <coughs> to seeing miracles happen? And that we have seen them happen. God does miracles. This people have I formed for myself. Do you understand that, that God is at work bringing together a people that will one day inhabit the new heavens and a new earth and that will give him all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. God has a people. He does. That's a great truth that God has a people. A people that he has formed. A people that he has created. We are God's workmanship. They are his people, but not through any doing of their own. 
I, I thought last night somebody there was going to say, well, that's all he preaches. That, you know, that, that we're not saved by works. Yes, until you get it. Until you get it. Until you hoist the white flag and lay the shotgun down and believe that God is able to deliver you. You see, all of God's people are not self-made children of God. None of them are. You're not self-made. You ought to be thinking things like this. And, and I believe some of you are. Oh, when I was out there, he came to me. I didn't first love him. He first loved me. And when I was crazy and insane, he came where I was. I didn't come where, I didn't give God a chance. Uh, you know, I, I heard the other day a preacher say, you, you've got to give God something to work with. I thought, you're insane, man. How are you going to come up to give God something? Besides, God doesn't need you. And God doesn't owe you anything but extreme justice if he gives you what you deserve. All of those of you who are here and just, you know what, I just want God to give me what I deserve. You've heard me say this thousands of times. You don't want that. You don't want what you deserve. We're in an entitlement type atmosphere here in America. And it all comes out of this. Everybody owes me. The government owes me. Society owes me. Mom and dad owe me. Everybody owes me. No, you don't want what you deserve. You don't want God to give you what you deserve. Here's what God says about his people. I want you to think about this. And Ephesians 2 and Isaiah 43 are such plain passages about this truth, that salvation's of God. You know, for you to go crazy, you know, all God has to do is take his hand off you. Uh, you don't want to ever say, just keep your hands off me. Just, God, just, just leave me alone. I had a man with cancer. Uh, he was dying with cancer. He'd been a very strong, rebellious type guy. Um, weighed, you know, like nearly 300 pounds. But anyway... His wife asked me to visit him in the hospital. I, I went up to visit him. And as soon as I walked through the door, he said this to me. For God's sake, preacher, leave me alone. And I said, you know what? For God's sake, I will. You don't want God to leave you alone. What you want is an intervention by God in your life to come where you are. There are some of you here this morning who are lost and in your sins. You've never come to know Christ as your sin bearer. Your chains are not gone. You're still in lockdown. Locked up in your mess. Those chains have not been broken yet. And what you ought to be praying for is not for 12 o'clock to come and pastor to stop. But for a Holy Spirit intervention with you in this service right now today. I want you to note this. Ephesians 1 and 2 starts out by just saying this. Bless God. That's what verse 3 says of chapter 1. Bless God. 
The Apostle Paul starts out with excitement and a hallelujah in his voice. In verse 3, he said, of chapter 1 of Ephesians, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Are you having a blessed God moment right now? Well, it, there, there is reason for you to have it. If God has visited you, if God has done something in your heart and life, you can say, bless God. I am a child of God. I just told you, God has a people. Are you one of them? If you are, you're doing like the Apostle Paul. Bless God. And then the Apostle says this in Ephesians uh, 1, 6. That God has this people, saved this people to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the beloved. If you know how dirty you were before God came to you and worked in your heart and life, you'd be praising grace too. Don't preach any of that work stuff to me. <coughs> Tell me about the grace of God, right? To the praise of the glory of his grace. In fact, some of you, I know while I've been speaking, I, I just feel like you've wanted to go like this. You ought to. You ought to praise God. There ought to be praise in this place. From people who have been brought out of darkness. Just consider where God found you. And that he found you, as Pastor Sasson said, on purpose. For a purpose. To do his purpose. You're not an accident. God has an elect people. Amen. And here's what he says in verse 4 of Ephesians 1. According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Predestination. Don't you love that word? You are a bucking bronco. Until a tall cowboy came to where you were and broke you. And his name was Jesus Christ. He came and tamed you down, literally. He saved you, his people. They are chosen, his elect. Isaiah said that we have been bought, redeemed by him, that his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You've been saved from your... Do you know 2,000 years ago, on the tree of the cross, Jesus paid your debt if you're here and a believer? I mean, you have no debt. This week, uh, Ms. Pam and I are in the past month, the month of February, we got to talk to people with guilt. Guilt and shame. And I was telling them about this Christ. If, if he paid it, he paid it in full. You, you have no condemnation. Do you understand that? Why do you keep kicking yourself around if you're a believer in Jesus Christ? Why do you fear death? Why do you fear facing God? There's no judgment. He's loved you. He bare your sins in his own body on the tree of the cross. You'll never go to hell. There's no condemnation. He loved you before there was a world, before he ever said, let there be light. Before the first dew ever fell on this earth, God loved you and had your name written in his book. <coughs> and wild thing, you were predestinated 
to be conformed to the image of his son. And this is a great truth. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. And whom he predestinated, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I'm persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. He called you by name. Have you heard him calling you? We used to sing in the old church, I can hear my Savior calling. Have you ever heard? Have you ever heard your Savior calling, calling you to repentance and faith? Have you ever heard him calling you? Are you being called today to faith in Christ? I don't know what you're talking about, preacher. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about somebody today who is hearing his voice as this feeble preacher proclaims the good news that there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Awesome. You know, that could happen today. Pass from death unto life. Do you hear his voice? You'll know his voice. Say, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, if you ever hear his voice, you'll know. I mean, deep down inside, you can hear your Savior calling. He has regenerated you. By the time you hear his voice, he's given you life. Think about how corrupt you were. The Apostle Paul says, and you have he made alive who were dead. Dead. You ever been around a dead carcass of any kind? You were dead. I was dead in sins and trespasses. We were like a, a person who had been stabbed a thousand times. We were dead. Dead to God. Inactive toward God. Can you remember, those of us who can, who have been converted and come to know Christ, we remember how crazy we were. I mean, absolutely out of our minds to think you can drink yourself to happiness, that you can smoke yourself to happiness, that you can inject stuff in your bodies, that you can commit sexual sins that will bring a heaven on earth. That's insanity. It will not happen. So you're out there. Some of you, many of you in here uh, attended uh, Grace Centers of Hope. But it wasn't until you were bankrupt. Most people don't drive by. There won't be a lot of drive-bys tomorrow and say, yeah, I think I'll stop over there and talk to them about getting off drugs. <laughs> no, no, no. No, you have to lose your house, lose your car, lose your wife or husband, lose your, your children, the courts take over, and then finally... A block from hell, you end up over at Grace Centers of Hope. And, and the truth is that he brings all of his people through that route. Maybe not over to Grace Centers, but eventually you're going to hit rock bottom. Whether you're a multimillionaire drinking yourself to death and can't find any peace or happiness with all your money. I just spent a month with folks who are very wealthy. It was an amazing time to watch and and to see <laughs> you can have all the money in the world I'm talking about people with lots of money I'm talking about a guy 
guy was telling me that he sold his business for $100 million. Ah, high cotton. Do you know the joy of the Lord that there's no condemnation in judgment? Do you know that I am special? I am his workmanship. I'm his poem that he's still writing and finishing, but I'm a masterpiece. Do you understand that he who began the good work in you? I, I, I mean, he had to start working on you because you were a mess. You had nothing to offer him. He had nothing to work with. You didn't bring God something to work with. What would he want with your filthy rags of unrighteousness? So God came to you. You know, I'm standing up here and I'm being amazed as I'm speaking. I'm preaching to myself. I am out of nothing. Psalm 14 says that God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any good men or women that did seek after him. And, and he looked down through time. And the conclusion was, no, not one. You're not a pretty good person. You were evil. And sinful we were. And God came and gave us life. We were living in spiritual death. We were anti-God. We were enmity against God. Not at enmity. We didn't just dislike God. We wanted nothing to do with God. Nothing to do with Sunday morning church. Nothing to do with righteousness. And nothing to do with helping other people. Nothing to do with any of that. And he gave us life. And you hath he quickened who were dead. That's what Ephesians 2.1 says. So let's say. God chose us. We didn't choose him. I say. God redeemed us in the person of his son. So Christ came to earth. 2,000 years ago. And bought and paid for us. Yeah you were really saved. Two, over 2,000 years ago. That's a long time. Oh, oh, you didn't know it. So God sent the Holy Spirit so you could find out. And one day you heard a hillbilly preacher preaching the gospel. That God invaded history. That God came down to earth not to spy out our sins, but to deliver us from our sins. That God did that. And his name shall be called Jesus not because he's going to try to save us, but he shall actually save us. He said it's finished 2,000 years ago on the tree. It's done. It's paid for. It's over. And then you were born. I've had people say, you know, I was almost stillborn. No, <laughs> no, you weren't. I've had people say this to me. You know, I really don't even know who my real mother and father uh, was I am such an accident. No, you're not. Not if you're in Christ. All of that was predetermined and planned. That was God's purpose for you. And if you look over your life, you'll see it's absolutely amazing how he shut you up. How you tried to run away. How you tried to get away from him. How you tried not to listen. How you would not come to him. You'd try crack, you'd try heroin, you'd try drugs or sex or whatever. But you would not come to him that you might have life. 
And finally, all of those things fail till you ran out of steam and simply trusted Jesus Christ. Some of you have tried so hard to be a good Catholic, but what a mess you are. Yes, what a mess. And then you look at how the church is failing. I, I don't care what church you belong to. There's such mess in church. You know why? Because all of us are mess who belong to the church. We need a God who is able to take nothing. We need a creator God. You see, I don't need just to turn over a new leaf. I need a new heart. I, I need a new heart. I don't, I don't need conformity. I, I need a new heart. I need new desires. I need to be made a new creation. That's spiritual. That's something you can't see. And it happens on your inside when God says, live, live. I wonder, I wonder if there's anybody here just fighting like crazy not to trust Christ today. I mean, you're troubled by all of this. You're, you're troubled by what I'm saying. There's a, there's a war going on the inside. Your flesh is saying, it can't be that simple. You've got to do something. You've got to do something. God's not going to do it all for you. You've got to sign the decision card. You've got to step over the line. You've got to come to the altar. You've got to pray through. No. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Can you come to him today that way? With nothing in your hands? He doesn't want your old filthy rags. I heard about a man in New York City who was an artist, and he wanted to paint the dirtiest, filthiest, homeless, drug-addicted person in New York. So he went down to the slums of the city and he found what he thought was uh, just uh, the right person to be his model. He said, meet me at such and such a place. I'm going to pay you for this. I will pay you well. Come tomorrow. The next day came and this guy came all dressed up. To the apartment, he'd taken a shower, cleaned his, washed his hair. I mean, he was just got, bought a Salvation Army suit. And I'm here. Don't you remember me? Oh, no. I wanted you to come just as you were. My point is simply this. God's not asking you to go out here and quit smoking crack. He's asking you to fall at the feet of Jesus Christ and trust Christ for salvation. And life in him. I wonder, if, I wonder if he's enabled you to do that today. I wonder if somebody here can say, you know, I, I, I just didn't think this was possible. Do you know this? All things are possible with God. I'm thinking of a passage of scripture. I think it's in the Corinthian letter. For God, it is, 2 Corinthians 4, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined into our heart. What God was that? That's that creative God. That's that God who stepped out into the mass eternity of time and, 
and he said, let there be light when there was no light. That's how big he is. That's how awesome he is. Now the apostle says this, for the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. What kind of God? A creative God. A creative God. A God who's able to create. I know you, some of you are going like this. That's not possible. It's just not possible. You know, I've tried 15 rehabs and, you know, I've, I've gone to church all my life. I've heard all of this. I, I just, uh, you know, I've tried it all. How about this? Stop trying and trust. God, there's nothing going to happen on your inside till you trust Jesus Christ. Until you're brought to the end of your way. So God has shined out of darkness, has shined into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Oh, if you could just see Jesus Christ today. By, by faith, you could just simply trust him. I close with this. Do you know God is working constantly in you, believer? You know all of the good works that come out of you, God put them in you? Do you know that God Ford, think about this. Here's what I like to think about. You know, tomorrow, God has predestined some good things for me. So what are you talking about? I'm talking about what the scripture says. That he has actually ordained me unto good works. He's already bought and paid for those. Those are mine. You, you, won't, you won't get those. I got, I'm going to get those. Those were ordained for me. Tomorrow is an exciting day. Amen. You know, I think about this. I was thinking this morning when we were showing the house over on Fairgrove, that five-bedroom house that Mary is footing the bill for us to put women and children in that house. Right down the street, there's a house that has nine bedrooms. It, it caught on fire several years ago. Uh, and it's been condemned for I don't know how long. We bought it for $10. So I, I've been telling you, we're going to have, uh, we, we need at least five new houses here in the next month or so. And I know, I know the way some of you looked at me like, yeah, right. Uh, we, we don't have money for them. But, but you know, God does. So we got Mary's house. And right down the street, we have that house that caught on fire. That's a nine-bedroom house. I, I, I talked to a person this past month uh, down in Florida who said, I think I can probably handle that house for you. Uh, uh, one plus one is two. Then I got a call down in Florida who said, there's another house on Fair Grove up for sale, a brick house. I've been looking at that house for years. And it didn't have a clear title. And the owner of that house said, I got a clear title now. I, I can sell it to you guys if you still want it. I thought to myself, of course. <laughs> of course we still want it. We've been wanting it for years. You know, I think about the exciting thing. God, my life is not dull at all. My life is not dull. It's exciting. Because all of the blessings from God's storehouse are mine because he predestinated them for me. He's working in me. He hasn't left me. He converted me. 
I, I look back on uh, 75 years. I can see so much. I used to be scared to death to get up in front of people and speak. Just absolutely petrified. I'd run a, I had a speech class in high school and I would run a fever when it was my time to speak. It would just shoot up. And then, some, for some reason, I decided I was going to be student council president. I had just decided I wanted to do that. So for two years, I had all of the, I look back on all that. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just saying for two years, I was student council president. I was up in front of people all the time. I got used to it. You know, all of that was predestinated. All of that, God was moving. And I was so crazy to think, you know, I'm doing all right here. You know what I mean? But all the time, God was doing stuff, getting me ready to speak to you, to preach to you the gospel. I want you as a Christian to get up in the morning or this afternoon when you go home and go like this. You know what? I'm God's poem. I'm God's artistic painting. And, and he's still got quite a bit to do on this portrait. He's working on me, though. And God is making something beautiful. And one day, this is going to happen, by the way, it's in Isaiah 63, but it's already 6 after 12. But, but in, there in Isaiah, it says, I formed them for my glory. And one day I'm going to say to the north, to the east, to the south, and the west, give them up. You're going to leave here and into the presence of God without spot or wrinkle without condemnation. So live your life this way. God's got something good for me tomorrow. And, and by the way, while you're doing that, while you're thinking that way, and you drive to work, thank God for your car. I don't know why I gave you all that snow a few days ago, but there, there, there could be a reason to remind you that he's made you whiter than the snow. Mm -hmm. There's so much to thank him for. Live your life in an exciting way, expecting God to do what he's able to do.